Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. I'm Mark Taylor and welcome to Crosspoint. A few weeks ago, a revival broke out in Asbury, Kentucky, and it's now spread. Today, we're going to get an inside look at what's been going on. My guest is Aaron Williams, an area evangelist from Pittsburgh, Kansas, along with some others, traveled to be a part of what started there at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, and then spread. Well, folks, I know you've been hearing about what's been going on. It started actually in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University. And then from there, it's just kind of branched to some other colleges as well. These are Christian colleges that's been happening at. And they're not just a Baptist or a Wesleyan Methodist like Asbury, but they're also Pentecostal colleges now, Lee University and others like that. And uh, kind of seeing things every day where now they can't even in some places get inside the auditoriums. Cars backed up outside of town. But, you know, you hear these reports, folks, but it's good when you can talk to somebody that's been there and had eyes on the ground, boots on the ground to see that. Because that feeling that what's going on in the air is there. So with us today, we've got Aaron Williams with us here. And Aaron, you've been a long, long time since you've been on Crosspoint. But this is kind of a new thing that is interesting. And it's even got national media and unchristian media, if you want to call it that. And uh, I've been watching them making reports as well. And I really appreciated the folks there in Asbury asking them not to come and do stories if they would, if they would just stay out. And I thought that that was very good of them to do that. And I thought it was really interesting the other day on Tucker Carlson when he got on the air and said, I appreciate him uninviting us not to come. And we're glad that we didn't because we don't want to interfere in anything that God might be doing. And so, hey, to get the uh, people's attention like that, that's not always talking about God, but everything else in the world, there's got to be something to it. So what what did you see when you went down to Wilmore, Kentucky? And maybe you went to a few other places, I think, as well. Yeah, so we've been out. This will be our third year. Um, A friend of mine out in North Carolina, he had called me, Mark, and said, you know, I really feel a stir over this. Why don't we take a drive and get a look at it? We prayed for revival. We we preached in, uh, you know, revivals that we know of locally, sponsored by churches. But we took that drive and, and met up out there in Wilmore. And, and uh, I was telling some people recently, you know, first thing that I notice is the tremendous landscape. I mean, this is a beautiful area you drive into. The seminary is very well kept. The architecture is just wonderful. But but when I begin to get right there on campus looking for a parking spot, you could just sense this mass of people. I mean, that's the first thing, this tremendous draw that was on campus. So that was number one. I knew we I knew we was into something. Of course, we just passed in front of that chapel uh, that everybody's seeing online, but uh, a tremendous draw. Yeah. And so now eventually I guess you got to get inside. Or did you? I never made it inside because you couldn't get inside. So what we seen was uh, the focus was this chapel. But outside of the chapel would stretch, I would estimate, about five to 600 feet, multiple people wide. And then there were adjacent structures that were full on campus. They'd opened up other buildings, and they were full as well. But uh, th- that night, we talked to some of the leaders there, and they said they were estimating at that point, after the buildings were full, they thought there were still 1,800 people outside. Outside. Yeah, yeah. and I've 
watched some of those video of them just so they kind of piped it outside too didn't they didn't they, they did. bring some of the teams outside to just sing and stuff yeah they had a huge flat screen where you could see what's going on inside of the one chapel and then of course that's what they've done in the the other seminary buildings as well but um there was an intent uh you know move people wanted inside that one chapel there was no question yeah you know in the 70s there was an outbreak there in asbury and i've watched the video of that and listened to the people talk about what happened during that time period uh it seems like this one here now uh, a lot of young people are involved in this one is it what mainly you were seeing there as far as inside what who was on the inside it was and you know we've seen sparks of this in recent years and and i think that's notable for any evangelist around the country that's traveled we watch sparks of this you know we've got a generation right now if they've served the lord very long they're very concerned about children and grandchildren but to answer the question yes this is a this has moved right among you know children grandchildren and i would say to those out there you know this is a time to really expect god to sweep in and do something mighty for for the generation you've prayed for now, Aaron, did you go around town any just to kind of get the feel of what was going on yeah. with the general public in town as well? Yeah, you could sense they they were completely they felt exhausted to us. Yeah. You know, even even those that were working there on campus, they just. I laughed to myself coming home. I said, Lord, how many times have I prayed for revival? Yeah. But the work of revival and the preparation for revival is what really caught my attention as I left, uh, realizing. It's a tremendous amount of work and thought. Imagine 24-hour-a-day worship, and then to transition into who fills in in between those slots, it just takes a, a, yeah. an amazing amount. And people were not just from Wilmore, but from other places as well that were piling in, kind of like you. They were coming from all over the country. Yeah, I talked to some people there. Uh, one gentleman shared that morning, uh, the next morning, he said, you know, I was in the chapel, and he said to the right of me was a young man out of Florida, and to my left was a young man out of Canada. One of them said the day before, they just, uh, they told their job, you know, I've got to take some days off, they got a plane ticket, and they was in there. So you're seeing that uh, the, the markers that we see in historic uh, revival and awakening, the, where there was a extraordinary draw of people toward God. Um mm-hmm. There's no question that's there. Yeah. You know, I thought of the days when Jonathan Edwards, uh, 1700s, so, you know, that's a while back. People were prim and proper and all that. But when you read about what happened, you know, that's more of a type of a Reformed church, like an R.C. Sproul type of church <laughs> that you would be looking at. But people on their face, down and out, and screaming out for repentance, you know, and, and crying before God. I mean, that had to be uh, somewhat which is a good thing humiliating but humbling yeah and so when you see something like that uh it just makes you kind of think that this is the like almost the wells being redug yeah of abraham you know and it's still coming in and saying we're redigging the wells of this because if you actually go and i don't know if you have but i have through the god's general stories and different things like that uh, the the revivals back even before that when the civil war time there in kentucky were thousands upon thousands of people come in wagons and in the days of people like peter cartwright uh, you know, who was a tough guy, you know, preached with guns on, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, they, they they dealt with all kinds of issues and they'd say there'd be four or five pastors up on logs or in a treetop preaching all at the same time, but it didn't hinder anything that was going on. Yeah. And back then for people to come by covered wagon and spend any length of time, because that was their living was what they could tell from the earth before winter. 
I mean, it had to be then a move of God. So it's kind of like that same area has been again refreshed by the Lord that and it's kind of been a to me when I watched over the years a battleground area. Yeah. Kentucky's not like a conservative area really as much as people think it is. They've had a lot of issues over the last few years in, in fights with COVID and other stuff and ungodly governor type of deals that fought them on every corner. So there has to be, to me, Aaron, uh, some kind of a remnant in there of somebody that's praying, somebody that's actually believing and trusting God to do something. I don't know who they are. But revival just doesn't show up out of the blue. Somebody is tilling the ground somewhere, are they not? Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, uh, we was talking on the way down, that you know the 1857-58 move that preceded the Civil War mm-hmm. was a tremendous move right in that area, but also uh, maybe overlooked the 1904-05 move that filled churches to the point in the east and the south of our country to they had to put people on probation. There were so many trying to come in. That was a major move. Of course, it followed up by the 1906 move that we know as Azusa Street that moved out. Yeah. But the point is this there's something God does in timing, and we know there's this hope, this this need for God, this this looking only to the Lord. And let's think about all the conversations that, that's been had in the recent, especially few years. But right now, God is on the move. This Holy Spirit is drawing in a, an extraordinary way to Asbury. But I just, across this nation, this Sunday, Mark, since this move, it's brought it's brought people's faith up. I believe that people across this nation we're going to see this year tremendous, powerful moves in cities, uh, churches, uh, c- college campuses around the nation. Well, you know, it's great that it's us starting the young people. You know, when you see those younger people there, and what's not, let's say, traditional. Yeah. You know, you got guys in you know short pants. You know, you got guys in ball caps in the church. You know, that's becoming more regular anymore but i mean in that atmosphere in the 70s wasn't there and so now to see that that it's kind of like anybody's welcome another component's not there think of this you know i'm an evangelist so a friend of mine that called me to meet what we do is preach but i want to say mark you know the birth of this is out of worship and you imagine you know god's and i believe it's wonderful i'm i'm so excited about what god is doing people worshiping god um no question uh, I've described it as the contraction before the water breaks. So I think yeah. everyone has every reason to be. And I, and I agree with that. You know, the uh, Jesus Revolution movie is coming out here in just another week, I think, or so. And, uh, you know, the story of Chuck Smith and what happened with the Jesus people in California and, and that movement. You know, and I've watched clips of this and I've watched them on like a show like a Good Morning America. And I've watched Kelsey Grammer, who plays Chuck Smith and the deal, break down and start crying right. on the set. He was so overwhelmed by what was going on. It's kind of like, are we seeing that kind of a visitation again from the Lord like it was kind of weird in, in yeah. the 70s back there with the, with the Jesus revolution, you know, with, with the Jesus people and, and how they looked. But, you know, the hippies, so many of them coming to Christ and being baptized in the ocean. And just from that, my lens, look what come out of that. I mean, mm-hmm. a whole network of churches, you know, Calvary Chapel churches, but just others, you know, from a pastor from a little failing church that God called him to step in and kind of head that and spearhead it and teach and lead those folks that were searching for God and drugs and everything else, you know? Yeah. And so here you come to Christian University, and uh, it's just got to be overwhelming. To, I mean, I, I want to see it here yeah. where we're at. You know, I, I do want to watch it. I do want to listen to it. 
but but I want to see it come to southwest Missouri, the four-state area, northeastern Oklahoma, southeastern Kansas, northwest Arkansas. I want to see it come here. Well, I can uh, at least testify to what our ministry has seen evangelistically. Yeah. Mark, the previous two years, I was concerned with so much apathy and busyness across our nation, sure. you know. And if I would have been sharing six months ago, maybe that's what we would have talked about. But something changed this winter, and it went 180. It wasn't, I couldn't really put, uh, I don't know that I could answer any real simple of an individual or any certain thing, but we watched a 180 difference take place in the ministry. There's an abundance in the heart of pastors now. There is an extraordinary move toward outreach in their city, in their church. And, um, but we noticed it early winter. And so I'm no surprise. You're just kind of seeing all of these markers. God's just answering the prayer of men and women. And uh, we're about to see a demonstration of God across America. So now back in the Wilmore, how are they feeding all these people? I mean, all the restaurants and every little thing in town's got to be overwhelmed by so many people being in town. Yeah, we asked where you could eat, and so they said, well, there's a Subway and another small restaurant just a few doors down. But I, another person asked me that question. I said, I can't answer it, you know. Uh, makes me wonder, how do you feed them? How do you house them? Because uh, the, the town's only about 4,000 people. Yeah. So they're receiving way more than they've got for population, you know. Right. Yeah. And and basically, how big a, do you know is the campus population of, of, of Asbury. I mean, it's not that big again. Yeah, no, it's not. You know, again, very well kept. I'll tell you, you can see some history and heritage there. Yeah. 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 Well, and they, they come from more like the line, you know, because the, the Methodist Church has took some changes over the last few years. This yeah. is a, a Wesleyan Methodist, which is they hold a little more traditional values on the Wesleyan side than the United Methodists have been. But I think it is really interesting that it breaks out in one of the great reformers, you know, John Wesley, yeah. who really started a lot of that. And, and, you know, if you you almost get that sense that he had when they talked about, you know, when he said, my heart was strangely warm. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. what I've heard other people say. You know, I went around there and there was just a strange warmth. Yeah. That touched my heart, you know, while I was there, and they couldn't really explain it. But that, that to me, just kind of verifies what, because Wesley was searching yeah, for himself sure. for, for something. He wanted something besides what he was getting out of religion, Yeah, you know, and then he found it. Yeah. And, and things changed, you know, really basically through the Moravians, who were really a go-getting bunch of people yeah. anyway with the Moravians. So anyway, well, folks, stay with us. We're going to be back with more talking about is revival near i think it might be stay with us and we'll be back in just a moment this is mark taylor if you miss a broadcast of cross point you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page there you can access the current cross point program as well as the last four programs that have been aired Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back. We're on Crosspoint today. I'm Mark Taylor. Got a special Crosspoint going here. We're talking about revival and what's been going on over Wilmore, Kentucky, and other places across the area. Starting to see it spread out a little bit. Aaron Williams, area evangelist from Pittsburgh, is with me today. And now, Aaron. We need that everywhere. <laughs> we, do. we we need it everywhere. So what does it take? What what's got to happen? What's the nucleus of this to see something happen here in this area? 
Yeah. So we know, Mark and others, uh, you study revival and awakening. It's prayer. I yeah. think corporate prayer. And uh, I want to encourage the pastors that are out there that's been waiting in a dry season, um, whether it was the second great awakening, you mentioned Jonathan Edwards and those, mm -hmm. there was really a drought spiritually in that day. Yes. Um, and like, much like the day in which we live, I would encourage them, number one, let's get together and pray, but also preparation. If you, yeah. if you know, if these pastors are seeing this move in that city, it's a tremendous, and I think that preparation is faith. You know, when we start to prepare like this and not, you know, we've civically prepared and we've done some events and outreaches as churches, but I mean, really a move that would, would put Christ out there in our city in a very bold way. I, I would just encourage individuals, families, you know, let's, let's really get together. These campuses are going to be a key this year, though. We know yeah. uh, the college age is the key component when it comes to awakening. Somebody's grandparents and parents have prayed for these children yeah. that are not of the faith That's and then right. they come that way. Yeah, because just because the kids at a Christian university doesn't mean the kids are Christian at that university. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've heard them stories many times, you know. But when God shows up, something has to happen. And, you know, you, but you've got to put in the time. You know, for over 30 months, we've been praying on Monday nights. You know, and the numbers there early on, because of political things, was up over 170 people, you know. And then it was down into the low hundreds. And then... As things, you know, kind of got lesser, it was in the 70s and ran pretty good there for a while. And then down in the 50s, now there's a pretty much a nucleus of 35 to 45 people that show up every Monday night. We see new faces, though. It's still strange to start on a Monday night with prayer, and here comes a new face that's never been there before. I've seen it last week. Just a new face walked in the door, and a lady sat down there by the wall. You know, I do believe, and I could be wrong, but I know I've seen prayer meetings go wrong, moves of God go wrong simply because they're mishandled, but you've got to be careful about how they're handled. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've set kind of <clears throat> some precedents on us having prayer. Um, number one is uh, we don't allow podium up there because people will bring a bunch of stuff they want to read. <clears throat> Sometimes they do anyway, but I don't want that or get a Bible up there and go to preaching. Uh, though I do ask them sometimes, I've found that some of the people that are not comfortable in uh, praying aloud, I've asked them, would you just take a Bible and go read some scripture yeah. about prayer, and then you can sit down. And I've found some like that that would do that. I found a few other people that are gifted uh, with singing, a very much of a spiritual type of a song to, you know, take it to the Lord in prayer or something, you know. And I've asked them sometimes, just go up and sing the song. No no instruments. We're not going to set up a, a, a deal like that. But just sing. Um, you can't take the mic off of the pole, off the, you know, leave it there. Don't be grabbing it like you're going to hold on for a while and, and get walking around. And, because they, people do it. And I understand that I'm not condemning them for it. It's just... We want, I wanted to see that revival time of, of thinking that something can happen if we'll just be honest and true before God. I don't care how they pray. <clears throat> you know, you try to ask them not to play too politically sometimes because, <clears throat> well, we can get off on an agenda. We say we're praying, but we're actually making a speech, <clears throat> and we're making it in the area of prayer. So, you know, you got to protect that, but what do you do? where you don't interfere with this to where you mess it up for the Lord because, yeah. <laughs> you know, that I've seen prayer meetings go wrong because they –
turned into more. People started bringing a lot of food and became more of a fellowship time. And, the, you know, there was 45 minutes of, of fellowship and 15 minutes of prayer maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think we look at moves of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Uh, I was thinking after seeing Asbury coming back, I was thinking about Mary and Joseph and how uncomfortable it would have been not only to be Joseph walking around with a wife that was pregnant, and as far as telling the public, you'd had to tell them that the Holy Spirit had done this. Yeah. But how about being there, being their friends, going to that service with them, and, yeah. and how easy it is. You know, it's easier for him to put her away privately, because that's what the Scripture said. He would have put her away privately if he could have. Yeah. And so because he didn't produce what was in her. And so the first thing we have to recognize is what's happening now at Asbury with an extraordinary draw, an extraordinary move among college age, and we'll move into, if it's historic and consistent, we'll move into a very strong uh, repentance message. Now, that don't mean that we're out just uh, browbeating people with the gospel, but a message that offers people a turn, a hope, you know, something in the good news of the gospel that they had not previously heard. Um, also, that revival uh, is a move of, of Christians toward those that are lost, and then it's to revive. Uh, many times the church, a Christian, something that had life, maybe through busyness, doesn't. But the awakening, the awakening is very different. Uh, as much as revival moves toward the lost, an awakening is when sinners or those who do not know Christ would begin to move in uh, earnest toward God. And I'll be interested to see what the what the percentage was of Christianity that's revived among this, and then as it moves to the water breaking, which will be those who never knew God to be drawn. So We talk about the young people, but now were you seeing older people there as well? Because if people's driving in, yeah, there may be younger people on campus, but now when people coming in, are they younger or are they older? Are they all kind of mixtures, men, women, just yeah, it's, it's young every and old? Age. Every yeah. age. There's families. You could tell there's families there wanting their children to experience and see I, yeah. something. You know, you could. So they'd have younger kids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they wanted them to see what it was like when the Lord shows up. Yeah. There's no question there'll be books written about this, uh, this beginning. There's no question about that. Yeah. To me, there's no doubt that our churches desperately need this. Our churches have got to catch fire because God has chosen the church, and Asbury is a church. It's an institution that sends people out to preach the gospel, so it is a starter of helping the churches. But our churches just across the land, you work with churches. I work with a lot of churches, probably in over 200 churches a year. Sometimes it's... uh, a great place to be. Sometimes it's like, man, why does anybody <laughs> come here? You know, because they just, you know, they don't want to change on anything. But then on the other time, it's such a show that, again, it's like, where does God get his opportunity to show up? You know, and, and this can get a big argument started with people and the pastors and and how they you know, look at things. And so, again, here's where you've got to be, again, very careful in, in how you look at all these things. And, you know, basically to me and maybe to you, as soon as I observe a lot of this stuff, then I need to go get on my knees and ask God, what is it that I need to learn from this? Yeah. You know, because, you know, something may be authentic and I don't think it is. And I, I've got to make sure that I'm not uh, out here being one of them on the wrong side of these things because we all have our opinions and God's not interested in any of them. Yeah. You know, but we're made of flesh and we always want to give our opinion and stuff like that or denominationalize something, you know, and if it's not along those denominational lines and it really probably isn't real or the true deal. But here 
when people are showing up, they're not all Wesleyan Methodist, were they? At no. Ashbury? Yeah, there, there's there's quite a mixture, you know, in age, and there's a there's a mix, and so uh, again, many awakenings were marked by interdenominational moves across the country. So when the Holy Spirit moves, draws people, it's going to fill them abroad, you know, and and like you said, many would like to keep it to their own spot or their own group, but. God's going to move outside of that. The ox of anointing does not have a clean stall. If you're going to milk cows, you have a little mess. And I think that's what, uh, you know, they're experiencing that on campus in the sense that it's hard to grip. It's hard to contain. When God is really doing something extraordinary by the Holy Spirit, it's hard to contain that. So Yeah. Did you hear people praying a lot, or was they more in the singing mode or something, or did you just hear both? Were, were people? I mean, I when you look at the pictures— you know, some people are on their knees, and I don't know if they're singing or they're praying. You know, their hands are in the air. Other people are jumping. You know, they're moving around quite a bit. Uh, other people are pretty solemn, just standing there, you know, with their hands, you know, up to their face and stuff like that. What did you experience there? I mean, did you – how did that – you know, I mean, you can hear, and your ears are always hearing all this stuff going. Yeah, that's a great question because uh, what you would think about revival, and maybe you'd associate that to a move at a church you was in or a, a camp meeting or a tent yeah. revival, it was not that atmosphere. Mm. And I was surprised. It, di- it didn't have the uh, what you normally, maybe if you've been around the church or moves, that, that feel that, but it had a very solemn, very humble, very worshipful, prayerful feel. Every, and I mean, across the board no matter where you went people were in a posture toward god it was humility so it was more of a quietness the people more like an inner reflection between them and god that god was doing something in them they weren't there for show or anything else but they were there you know because sometimes you can get pretty going in worship yeah and so you hear well it's a big kind of like a worship service but it's not a typical what we could call in some of these churches a worship service. It's a little bit different. I noticed even some of the songs were back to the old songs. Yeah. Yeah, it was absolutely, it was humble. It was prayerful. It was a family atmosphere. Yeah. There was not a buildup. I didn't sense that. Like I said, what you would uh, think, but there was an obvious move. People were positioned, a sense of hope. Um, maybe some, I could just looking at faces, didn't get to talk to many. You could just see this hope, this hope of something that we've prayed for is here. And it, and they were experiencing it, you know. Seen a lot of little kids running around, too. So, I mean, there was little ones there that people had brought. And I guess in a place like that, you'd feel pretty safe. Yeah. With your little kids there with you and stuff yeah. like that. And so, in other words, nobody was separated into, well, here's a deal for the kids and here's a deal. It was just everybody was everybody together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it was, there was a lot of people, but again, it was quiet. There were lines waiting to get in. You could, you could hear the worship on the screen. And then at times you may have one person that just goes down to their knees, leans forward in the dirt. Another one, I, I remember seeing two young men, college age, and they were, had a Bible and they were sitting at a, a some steps there and one was praying for the other you've seen families just it was it was a wonderful but when you really stood back and looked you could see god was doing something absolutely extraordinary now i know there was a lot of trees in there was there people up in the trees or anything like that? i didn't see anyone in the tree nobody so everybody was pretty reverent what you're saying they were very reverent (laughs) i was the next day the state when we left or when i started back home most of the state was covered with rain so i thought well what will they do they'll probably be in the motel well a friend of mine reached out and he said look 
they're standing in the rain outside mm-hmm. the chapel trying to get in. So yeah, and it was kind of cold too, wasn't it? Yeah, that warm when we went in, but it was the you know the rain came, it was changing then. Yeah, so. were they talking between themselves any there, or were they pretty much? That happened off of away from all of this. Yeah, you know it was there wasn't there wasn't a lot of conversation between people. I know unless they were just praying or worshiping together, there was not a there was one gentleman I kept looking to see was there gonna be someone preaching over here doing yeah, music. Exactly. Only one young man did I see he had a guitar playing afar off. Otherwise people were just I think reverence the right word, Mark. And and this music and and the all is what's going on on the inside, and it's being piped to the outside. They've just set up speakers and a big screen for people to see. So where it's coming from, the main place, that's where it's coming from in any of the settings that you're yeah. in. I could just imagine as a, an evangelist what kept going through my mind. I mean, can you imagine if there was multiple preaching and praise? It, I don't know how you would handle that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful experience, and I came home with just a list of notes, and really felt like God sent us out for wisdom. Yeah. So. Now, when you get a little ways away from there, you're going to have to stop and get gas or something like that. Did you run into anybody or talk to anybody or visit with anybody that's actually followed up with you or talked to you since then that was there? I mean, were people like say, "Hey, I'm from whatever," you know? Won't we talk in a week and see what? You know, or how we could whatever. I mean, you know, people yeah. sometimes want to do that. I did notice uh, my friend that went back to North Carolina, and of course they're getting ready to start a an outreach, a, a revival there. We do notice this has brought the ex- expectation for God to do something in their own area up a long ways. And so that's the one thing, that the conversations that are coming now, if they were there, they're they're back home ready to go to an altar and pray and ask God to, to do it in their city. So so I've heard the people are close, I mean, piling in to get into town. So when you left the area, how far away did you have to get from the area before it kind of loosened up and there wasn't as many people? Not very far. You know, this city's kind of tucked into so the rolling hills right there in a kind of a country setting, and it wasn't that many miles. Uh, I, wasn't a, I left very early, though, so I wasn't at a yeah. high traffic time of day, but... Uh, I can imagine now because it seems like it's still building up, you know. Yeah, and this was going on all day and all night, too, people. This wasn't stopping. Yeah, it, now while I was there, that's when it was changing. So it had been 24 hours a day, and they were that night they were going to shut the chapel down till the next day so you could see. But I could really sense in those that were working, praying, security, yeah. that they were exhausted. Well, and they've got to get in there and clean them bathrooms and restock them. So, you know, yeah. there's got to be some a little downtime there to get stuff going. Yeah. Had you met anybody that came from another university or anything else, or had you heard people talk and say, hey, this is happening in this other state over here now, somewhere else? Yeah, so the conversations on now, it's uh, as, as you stated in the beginning, you know, we know in Cleveland, and I would think that we'll begin to hear it across college campuses and churches. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at anything we see in, uh, around the nation. I think we should look forward to a wonderful year, 2023, in the Lord. Well, that's exactly what we need, a year in the Lord. So, folks, stay with us here. We're going to be back with more in just a moment. Sharing your faith can be as easy as sharing your favorite radio station. There's no greater way to share the gospel, to reach as many people as possible than through Christian radio. Tell your friends where they can experience hope. It's always pointed to Christ. 91.7 The Word. So Aaron, we are talking about what goes on in revival. Is revival near? When we say is revival near, we know it's happening. 
but is it near to us here uh, in the four-state area? Do you sense that that very same thing you were seeing personally and feeling personally is on the edge of maybe coming here in this area? You know, we, you, you know, we talk about Wilmore having a history, but so does Joplin, Missouri and Baxter Springs, Kansas. I mean, in like in the early 1900s, I heard of, I mean, I've read them old books that they've got from over at the Apostolic Bible College and stuff of things that happened. Baptizing a hundred and some people in Spring River in January and nobody gets a cold. Having tent meetings going all winter long, just inside a tent, having tent revivals all winter long because they couldn't. Hearing about three to 4,000 people in some warehouse in Baxter Springs in, you know, January for meetings that was going on. Or they's all headed off down somewhere into the hills down here in McDonald County. To, and lots of churches were started from that. And it was during those mining days uh, that was rough and tough area. Uh, this area, Galena and all them, Merrill, Pittsburgh, all those areas were tough and rough, tough places. And yet God showed up. And God had a tremendous impact. Like we say, you know, from there... It branches off and goes to Houston and vice versa to Los Angeles and Azusa Street, uh, you know, begins from that. Um, do you think we can see that here in the area again of what happened in those early days here? I'm sure of it. And again, because I go back to this early winter watching a 180 degree change, obviously the timing, something in the timing of the Lord, the prayer of the saints, all, whatever it may be, I couldn't give a direct answer to one, you know, specific, but I could say we noticed directly early winter, no question uh, in our area. I think it's it's in the heart of the one that can just believe. I mean, it's going to be some spontaneous move in churches houses college campuses that just say you know what let's just start worshiping god and uh, and ask him for revival so it kind of goes back to the story a guy told me that this guy that worked in construction and stuff that wore overalls all the time and liked to help little churches that were struggling and filled in the pulpit and then tried his hand at that but then one day god kind of asked him to put all that stuff aside and let his boys maybe handle some of that and him to get a flatbed semi trailer and uh, a lot of people came to your aid and started helping you out and uh, from there you kind of got some counsel with the board of people to kind of help you started going to county fairs and anywhere you'd people let you come and set up and you always wanted the blessing of the churches so it's been kind of what you've been doing i guess from last i'd heard about you you we're holding some Friday night meetings over around Scammon or somewhere. I can't remember over in that area. But, you know, God called you, you know, and some of us have to be forerunners. You know, we've got to be forerunners to, to see these things happen. And uh, then sometimes the forerunners aren't the ones that get to see the enjoy as much of the fruit as the others do. But we've got to be willing to be the ones that invest the time and the money and the um, a lot of time <laughs> and a lot of prayer into these places. But how's it affected your life since things kind of changed with you a few years ago and you started doing just exactly yeah. what I was talking about? Yeah, it's been a tremendous experience, Mark, and it chokes me up because, you know, this – if you're a Christian, this is what you live for to give your, get, yeah. you, you come to the cross and you say, Lord, do with me what you want. But the truth was, you know, I could have maintained just doing what we did because 
you know, have a nice place to live and enjoyed my job. And But I'd get out at lunch, Mark, and, and kneel into the dirt and say, Lord, if, if there's something I can do. You know, this, I look toward a revival of history, but also, you know, you think about that resurrection of the dead. You know, I never get past mm-hmm. knowing that Christ had done a work in my life. But then to look and say, what will I tell my grandchildren? You know, I knew the country was uh, in the shape it was in and all of that conversation. But what about here, Lord? You know, what about our home? And so many wouldn't wouldn't know unless I told them. But, you know, I, our family spent seven years. I prayed in a milk barn morning after morning, you know. We've seen this years ago. And so two years, an April day, I remember leaving a driveway and God, not audibly, but in my own heart said, you know, I'll separate you today. And I went home and we were ready. We've been praying for seven years and uh, God put pieces together. And I want to encourage someone that's out there as we've traveled the country for a couple of years, there's all kinds of families. They've, they've, they've left their occupations they've been called out and evangelists were really on the decrease in recent years and and now they're all coming on meeting different ones around the country and it's it's so encouraging so what is the the the, has happened our life is we feel totally aligned in the will of god and we realize we're just a part we're just a hand but may you know this year our schedule once we get dates is almost full it's not it's almost but to get and meet a pastor that has labored and to hear what his vision is for a city and to th- to think really see we don't go in with what we want to do they always ask what do you want to do i said it's not uh, what you know what what is the vision you have for your city how have you fallen in love with this people and how do we grab the wheelbarrow handles to push with you and that, that's it that's revival yeah. And as God is assembling together today, I, I believe with all my heart, Mark, we've seen the changes just in recent, but uh, we should be hopeful. God is drawing people, and I'm excited about this year, so thank so you for it's, it. So it's, it's open air, a lot of open air preaching what you do, because yeah. you preach off of a truck, and, uh, you know, you you have uh, now, I guess, a, a pretty good solid group of people that help you, which really does help when uh, you need that prayer covering. You know, I remember reading about Spurgeon and others, you know, and you think, well, what makes these people so great? But then you hear about all those people down in the basement during them services that were just the powerhouse down there. You know, they were the turbines turning the the wheels with prayer and in causing that sermon that he was preaching above up on the stage to be so powerful that it was just causing men and women to cry out, you know, because they were under the power of God. We've got to understand that if we will surround ourselves with those type-like people, and, you know, they're not easy to find, you know, because not everybody has the heart to want to just basically put their work aside and their life aside and say, what can I do for you, Lord? You know, Mark, it's it's well said. I could talk about the board that's here. These are people we trust with our lives and prayed about it for years. I could talk about a team right now. There's a worship team, and, you know, they're diligent. And they're praying about this worship music. It's not just the song of the times. They pray about it biblically. You think about the evangelistic influence on the side. There's there's other families. There's called men and women. But there's my wife, and I still say it. Someone asked me recently if you had to take three people and knew there would be a transformation around the world, who would you take? One would be my wife. You know, you you can't uh, downplay this connection, this this marriage, when God unites you in ministry. And the next would be, I have an 88-year-old father in the Lord, 
I couldn't imagine doing it without him. Yeah. And so God puts, and he does, set us up if we let him. He'll set us up and say, if you'll do this, I will put those pillars that you're going to need that's going to help you, that's going to encourage you, that's going to, and it doesn't have to be money. I wish people would understand that. Sometimes the money is is trivial to God. (laughs) He's such trivial stuff. He's more interested in the heart of what he can do there because if he can get some hearts right before him that'll do exactly what he wants them to do, weird or not, then he can use them to touch other people that they don't even understand why they're doing what they're doing sometimes. It doesn't make a lot of sense to them. Uh, they feel very inadequate yeah. of what they're doing, but yet they there's something inside there that says, "It do it. But I can't tell you. You can't really explain it. Yeah. You just can't explain it. But you know you can't quit. You know that no matter what happens, you've got to see it through. You know it's almost like you really are concerned about letting God down now. Yeah. Where other people, they don't really care. But all of a sudden, it's I can't do this to God. Yeah. I can't hurt God like this anymore. I, I, I can't be this. And, and you get that kind of, in a way, that disobedient attitude out of the way, and you just lay it all out there. And if it doesn't work, it's on God, not on yeah. you. But you've got to put the flesh away. And that's hard to do. That's really hard to do. But I understand, you know, I've had to learn a lot of those lessons myself and stuff, so it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, it doesn't to somebody else, but you can't explain it. There's just yeah. absolutely no way to explain uh, that. But back to, but before we kind of get to the end of the program here, I want to touch back on, on Will Moore and, and what's going on there because I've got friends that are there too that are watching that I've worked through media, Christian media, and I've been listening to them and they've been sending me info and I've been watching video every day of what's going on, not just at Wilmore, but at other colleges. I think the last count, there was 11 colleges now that are experiencing something along this line. And and again, these colleges, sanctuaries are not really full in some of the other places. There's only maybe 30 or 40 students in there, but they're not quitting. They're not quitting. And then the next day, there's five more, and there's five more, and there's five more, and then they are, there's 10 more because they won't quit. And we've got to have that attitude. I'm not going to quit. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I've had people say, don't you think you've prayed enough on Monday nights? I mean, okay, a couple of weeks back, it's it iced. And we had ice on a Monday night. And I got on the air and told people, don't come down here. The steps are all slick. And But I went at 5 o'clock and, uh, you know, got set. Well, I didn't set nothing up. I just sat there on the steps inside because it was cold and watched. If somebody come up, I'd tell them to leave. Well, nobody can show. So I thought, well, they're not going to come tonight. Six o'clock hit. I went to get in my truck, and I'll be here. Comes a guy around the corner of the building. Here comes another car pulling in, and a, next thing you know, I unlocked the municipal auditorium, and we went back in. We didn't have as many, but we put. So we've never missed a Monday night, even when it's poured down rain. We've stood there under the little port of gold, you know, when everybody else left. They'd be in their cars, and we'd just be gathered in a circle praying. Now, we have buildings now we can get in and stuff. But, you know, the city, when we didn't have anywhere to go, the city said, here, here's the keys to the municipal auditorium, no charge. Just go in and, and pray if you guys want to. Well, they didn't have to do that. 
our commissioners could say, no, I don't want you on the on courthouse lawn every Monday night praying because you guys are making a lot of noise because we don't – our prayers are loud sometimes. I mean, I don't turn down the volume just because we're out in the open air. I actually turn it up, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, you just you just don't know, but you've got to try. You know, America's worth it. Yeah. Our forefathers gave their lives for this. We, we've fought with each other, and we've, we've went through so many trials as Americans. And it was always God. I mean, if it hadn't been for God tying this country together, there wouldn't be a country now. Yeah. It wasn't a bunch of politicians. It was a bunch of men that God spoke to their heart. And so we're at where we're at today. And that's what's happening in Wilmore, Kentucky, and in other places, too. God's speaking to people's heart, and they're taking time to listen. And you've took time to listen, Aaron, and instead of doing. And you just became a listener to become a doer of the word. And so anything you want to give us here on a final thought before we go off? I just thank you for, you know, inviting and look forward to helping this year. You know, we're going to be in locations, and we absolutely are excited. To <laughs> yeah, we want you to get up here in the Neosho area, too, this summer, and yeah. we're, going to, we're going to work on that yeah. as well. Yeah. So, again, Aaron, if people did want to get a hold of you and talk to you, because how, how do they go about doing that and about what you're doing now going around the area? Yeah, all of our social media sites are under Aaron Williams Ministry, one word ministry, and uh, we've got a website there as well, so you can reach out, uh, find a phone number, or message us, and we will get back to you. So, All right, well, thanks for being with us on Crosspoint. Thank you, Mark. Well, folks, we had a great discussion today about revival, and we need revival. Folks, I read in this Bible that I hold in my hand right here of all the different revivals that went on when God's people turned their heart. If you read through the book of Kings, the book of the Judges, the different ones where people turned their back on God and he punished them for it. Samuel, different ones. But then God, when he heard the people's cry for help, he heard their cry and he came to their aid. And he sent people, prophets, many times to talk to them, many times to warn them. But he always sent revival when he said people's hearts. And he knew their hearts were going to turn from their wicked ways of what they'd done. And it didn't mean all the people that were involved, but enough of the people really made what they call a covenant with God. And God will honor his covenant with his people. That Bible that I've got in my hand right now, that's the most important book, folks, you're ever going to read. And the most important book you're ever going to follow. Sure, and join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week and allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNAO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Neosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.